0: We're working through the book of Nehemiah. This is part seven. Continuing from last week, the same text, the same topic, the way of God in discouraging times. Nehemiah 4, 10 to 23. Nehemiah 4, 10 to 23. It's kind of a longer text. I'm going to read it right through. Just kind of follow along. So remember now, Nehemiah has made it back Permission from Artaxerxes, provisions. He's gotten back. He's investigated the ruins of the city, the wall. They've started on the building, and it's up to about half height all around the city. It's an actual historic account of what really did happen. And now you see what's starting to take place as they're working. Nehemiah 4.10. In Judah, it was said... The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's there's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. It's always opposition. We talked about that. At that time, the Jews who lived near. Near them came from all directions, and said to us ten times, "You must return to us, leave the wall, come, come back. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember there's the verb, something to do, remember." Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored at the work. And half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. It's quite an account. Last week, talking about discouragement, we we looked at two important points on the way of God in discouraging times. And the first thing we said was, in all of our lives, there come times when we sense our own lack of strength. We are not able, they said. And I pointed out that there really was no reason to say that except discouragement. To say you're not able to do it when you have the job half done, they should have been able to figure out that they, they could do it. But, of course, you get discouraged. So there come those times. They'll come to you. They'll come to me. I, can't, I just can't do this. I know God calls me to this or to that or to that. I know I'm to grow in this area of my life. I fail so many times. I know I'm to let go of that habit, but it seems to have such a hold on me. I I just, I don't think I can do it. That was the first thing. And second, in all our work for the Lord, there come times when we lack vision. I'm going to talk about that a bit more tonight. Neither of those things mean God's kicked us out. We failed. There's no hope. There's no way forward. I want to move on to point number three and four tonight, okay? Three. We're too weak. We can't do it. No vision. Lose sight of it. The joy goes out of it. Nehemiah turns the people's attention back to God. It's in two verses. It's in the ninth verse. And it's in the fourth verse, and I'm 14th, and I'm trying to stay close to the text because I want you to see it's very easy for stuff like this, rebuilding a life, to see it as being just sort of kind of positive psychological, you know, upspeak, and let's all try and feel better about ourselves. And what I'm trying to show you is these aren't just principles like of living your best life now. I'm trying to show you that this is in this text. Something God wants. So Nehemiah turns the people's attention back to God. Verse 9 and 14. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your home." Now, at the beginning, everybody remembered the Lord. The beginning, they had this sense, Artaxerxes, a pagan king, had let them all go. He had provided them with material. But now it's halfway through the task. I mentioned that several times last week. It's halfway through the task, and Nehemiah is a good leader. He knows the particular dangers of of the halfway point. In anything that I'm trying to do for the Lord, in anything that I'm trying to see engaged of His Spirit in my life, His work in my heart, when you're you're halfway into the project, it's easy to lose sight of what started you off in the first place. That's why I I underscored that word, remember. We, We are constantly in need of being recalled, bringing our attention back to God. So here we come to 1,000 Gorham Street. We do it. Most people do it once at least a week. A lot of us do it twice a week, and then something in the midweek. And the reason we do it is surely not that we just have nothing else to do. None of us is busy. We don't have any responsibilities. We're just trying to fill up our time so we go to church. I don't think that's the case. But we we come back here because I know how it works in my life, and I hope you know how it works in yours, that you get, you get about however many hours you sleep, but you get these, these 16 hours or so every day when you're bombarded with the culture and the world and the values and the mindset of the world around you. And if you think that one hour on Sunday morning is going to be enough to counteract all that, not likely. And so we come here not to learn about God. Most of us come because we need reminding about the same things over and over again. And that's what, that's what Nehemiah is trying to do here, calling people back, recalling their attention. This is what makes church a lot more important than most Christians think. You get these glorious promises that are designed for times of discouragement. You know them. They that they that wait upon the Lord. Well, what happens to them? Well, they renew something. What is it? Strength. Pastor Don, I just, I can't do this anymore. You come together. And you wait on God. And God puts strength back as we remember these things. You know the 23rd Psalm. He, he restores strength my soul. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. Under that first verse, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's not they that wait upon the Lord shall obtain strength. It's, it's renewing the strength and restoring my soul. You ever see somebody who's really good at taking an old rickety chair? The legs are loose and the fabric's ugly and it's doesn't, you wouldn't support you, and then somebody can take it, and they can tighten everything up. They can put a new cushion. They can sand it and stain it, and they can... And it looks... That's a picture of restoring. That's what God does when his people come together, and they recall certain things about God. They remember God's work. That's why Nehemiah calls the people back to God and away from all the discouraging accusations of their enemies. There's lots of things to discourage these people. There are voices speaking into them all the time, tearing them down, wearing them down. They need to come back to God if they're going to finish the work. And if nothing else, the book of Nehemiah teaches someone like me that I will probably only make it about halfway in what God wants to do in my life. with my own wisdom, my own strength, without recalling, remembering, rethinking all over again. That's coming back to God. Most of us think of coming back to God. I grew up in a revivalistic uh, kind of religion where coming back to God was for the person who he's become a drunk or an alcoholic or he's committed adultery or he you know, messed up in some really big way and comes back to God, which is fair enough. The only problem with it is that I don't don't very often think of my need to come back to God. I'm a pastor. Like, I do this for a living. And Nehemiah calls the people. They're not bad people, but they're going to run out of gas unless they come and receive strength from the Lord all over again. So he calls them, calls them back. I love Second Corinthians 4:16, "So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away our inner self being renewed day by day." So he turns their minds back to God. That's the first thing. Four: Nehemiah turns their minds to the great issues at stake in their future. We read it, and I don't know if you noticed it, but it's in verses 13 and 14. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Okay, there's that point I just made. Remembering the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Now, here's the point I'm looking at now. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. And you can see. So you come and you you come back to God. Not in the sense of being backslidden, just in the sense of ongoingly needing to come back to God. And his spirit starts to work in your life. And you can see how the spirit starts to work. He wants them to see the long-term issues that are at stake and that the issues are bigger than maybe they're seeing when they're just staring at blocks in the wall all day. What Nehemiah does is they're halfway through. They're tired. They feel weak and they feel discouraged. And what Nehemiah does, he calls them back to the reason they started working on the wall in the first place. There are a lot of benefits to getting this wall completed, but they're not maybe thinking about it. There are precious benefits in this project. I may give up working on a stone wall, but I'm not likely to give up on my children, and that's what Nehemiah points out. Your families are at stake. Your homes are at stake. Your children are at stake. You're not building a wall. You're saving your families. You see the difference? Anybody can give up on a wall. (laughs) Neopite points out to the reason for the wall. Now, you wouldn't think, seriously, you wouldn't think he'd have to do that at all. They're staring at their temple as they're building the wall. You wouldn't think they could possibly forget, but they were. They just saw the wall, and you notice as we read, there's just too much rubble. Everywhere we look, Nehemiah, just junk all over the place. We're never going to get this done. We don't have the strength to get it done. And all they can see is the stones. All they can see is the wall. All they can see is the rubble. Nehemiah points them to the goal of all their work. It seems strikingly possible somehow that in the middle of the work, you can start to see just the work. You can start to just see layers of stone upon stone. You can start to see a job rather than an objective. It can be true in the Christian life. It's easy to see... It's easy to see the bits and pieces of the Christian life. Do this, don't do that. It's easy to see the bits and pieces of the Christian life without seeing the goal. It's easy to see the bits and pieces as the duty, the duties of holiness, the duties of pleasing God, the duties of being a good Christian. Instead of seeing the goal of rebuilding that God has for my whole life. Bible reading, prayer, church attendance, giving. Then, of course, there's all the things that people do in churches, nurseries, classes to teach, meetings to attend, so many hours of work. And, And if we ever begin to see only the tasks without seeing the goal of those tasks, it's easy right here to lose heart and grow weary. easier to see all of those pieces rather than the the kind of life in God's kingdom that the Spirit wants to use all those things to build. So in other words, I I don't teach because I happen to like this church and everything it does. If that's my motive, I'll quit and leave for another church as soon as someone does something I don't like. But I teach because I'm very much in love with Jesus and He wants to use my service for Him to build me into a faithful member of his kingdom. And I don't give because I feel cheap if I don't give God a good tip. I give because I see it as one way God has given me to take people to heaven long after I'm gone. That's what Nehemiah is doing. Listen, people, it's not walls we're building. It's our future. We're building. It's our homes. It's our lives. It's our families. Don't just see the work. See where this is going. I work in children's church. But that would be sadly understating it. Better to come into that place of ministry and say, there are future missionaries here in this room with these little toys. There are future political leaders in this room. And every week, as long as I see it, God has blessed me with the chance to get their lives ready for a gigantic task somewhere down the road. Do you see the difference? I deliver bread of life baskets. You can get tired of that if that's how you view it. Jesus said even a cup of cold water given in his name would not lose a great reward. And every week I take far more than just a cup of cold water. What a blessing I'm storing up for my life one day. You're not building a wall. It's your families, Nehemiah says. Five. Those of you that know me, you know I couldn't possibly close without this point. Nehemiah provides points of rally for the people as they work. It's in 19 and 20. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people... The work is great, widely spread. We're separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Rally to us there. Much of the time, the work had to take place while the people were fall apart, far apart rather, and, and each. Individual couldn't see the progress the others were making. That's an important teaching point. They couldn't see the walls going up in any section but their own. They couldn't see the good things God was doing. They couldn't see the challenges people were facing and how they were coping and what God was doing. They couldn't see the walls going up in any section but their own. And they faced much of the ridicule of the enemy on their own. And they felt small and weak. They said that and discouraged. They said that too because they couldn't see all the other parts of the wall going up at the same time that their little tiny section was going up. And because the people were spread out, Nehemiah strategizes and organizes times of pulling them all together. The reason is simple. Christian people Stronger together than they are apart. Christian people, say it with me, are stronger together than they are when they're. It's true. Let me tell you the greatest failure, different generations and eras have different theological blunders. Here is the greatest failure of the church in 2023. The greatest failure of the church is. People think they can have a relationship with Jesus without having a relationship with the church. And if no one's told you this before, it's impossible. Did everybody get that? It's not just unlikely. It's impossible. The bride of the church, bride of Christ, the church, when When you come to Jesus, you do come on your own, meaning I'm not a Christian because Michael and Daisy Horbin were Christians. I have to have my own relationship with Jesus. But don't make the mistake of thinking I can live the Christian life as an individual. I come individually and we're attached to a body. That's the only way God does anything in our lives. He attaches us in a covenant relationship to a local church. And I just find so many Christians where have you been? Ah, oh, you know, since COVID, we just well like we watch some stuff online, and we've gone to different places, but mostly, no, we're just yeah, we're just kind of on our own, and we read our Bibles, and you go, "Oh, fools, it won't work. It won't work." So Nehemiah gets them at rallying points because they're weak, unable. Those are the words in the text. they're discouraged. I wish I could tell you how hard it is to get that simple concept across to people in busy 2023. Yard by yard, inch by inch, there's more spiritual help and strength and hope for your future in the church than anywhere else on planet Earth, even in perfect churches, imperfect churches. Do you remember the old days? I guess they're coming back. We used to have a uh, hibachi. Remember hibachis? That was for a long time when I pastored in Lanigan, Saskatchewan. All we could really get our hands on was a hibachi. And you can, you can get a lot of wieners on a hibachi if you space them out right. You put the coals in. And if you're me, a, a quart of lighter fluid, you fire it up. And here's the thing, you let it kind of die down and stuff. And if you leave it too long, when the coals start to pull apart and separate, it cools off. But you know how to get it going again? You just scrape them all together again. And they start to burn and smolder and you can barbecue again. That's what the church does, people. It's what the church does You'll get less discouraged if you're in church more. You'll get less discouraged if you're meeting regularly with the saints, even the saints that you don't like. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not your good works. Stir up one another. Stirring up somebody else to love and good works. Not neglecting To meet together as is the habit, neglecting—that's the verb. The habit is what happens. It just—it's gradual. It kind of creeps up on you. All of a sudden, you realize, you know, gee, we haven't been in church for about six weeks. How'd that happen? And I'll tell you what: there will always be something that's going to happen on Sunday. There's there's Grandma's anniversary. There's there's that birthday party. The grandkids are coming over, and they're all good things. And there will always be something on Sunday unless you have the capacity to say, well, maybe let's do that Saturday. But Sunday, you've got to be in church. Do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What I see in that verse is this. The day drawing near is what? We know. Second coming. How do you get ready for the second coming? Here's what this verse is saying. You won't be ready if you neglect meeting together. You want to be ready for when Jesus comes back, meet together regularly. That's why the the, the text deliberately links the habit of neglecting the church with being ready for the day when it approaches. It's drawing near. I don't know if you've noticed it. Watch the news. There's actually enough going on that it can be depressing a little bit. We need the church. We need the church even when it rebukes and corrects. The goal is always to mend what is broken, to get our lives constructed again. God help us never to lose sight of it. Whatever you're rebuilding, don't stop. God's behind all those who spend their lives fixing things for his kingdom. Count on his grace. Let's pray.